Hi everybody, hope you're all doing well. I uh, wanted to start off tonight just kind of um, on a relaxing note. Um, my uh, friend Neil, uh, every once in a while, he'll post something on Facebook uh, during this time of the coronavirus. and He'll say, it's just a time of meditation actually is what it is. Um, and so I'm very much appreciative of that. Um, so he'll grab him a cup of coffee like this, invite you to do the same. But I'm going to be doing what we normally do on Sunday nights here at the table, or what I normally do. I try to drink as much coffee as I can. And see, this nice little cup here might not do it for me. So I went ahead and brought the big gun with me. All right, and if you know me, and you know me at the table, um, there is a good chance between now and the end of this video that I'm going to lose this cup. And if I do that, I've got a backup, all right? And uh, my wife usually wants me to put my name on these, label them, so that, uh, or bring a different cup, because everybody has this color cup. And, uh, you know, I just get a new cup. So usually four or five throughout a Sunday is about typical average for John's coffee. So today, not only is the challenge, <clears throat> it's decaf by the way. Today, not only is the challenge to uh, get through this message and uh, dig in here to Acts chapter 13 with you all, but I'm going to see how much of this coffee I can down uh, during the time we have together tonight. So... It's already, it's pretty warm. I should have cooled it down, made the drink a little easier. But here we go. Acts chapter 13. It says, Among the prophets and teachers of the true church of Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Mannion, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way home. Oh, <laughs> sent them on their way, not home, <laughs> on their way, <laughs> they're leaving. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He had a attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, ah, the first time, right there, 
Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes and began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Persia. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem, but Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. On the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue for the services. After the usual readings from the books of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. So Paul stood lifted his hand to quiet them, and started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. Then with a powerful arm, he led them out of their slavery. He put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to Israel as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After that, God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people begged for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And it is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Before he came, before he came John the Baptist preached that all the people of Israel needed to repent of their sins and turn to God and be baptized. As John was finishing his ministry, he asked, Do you think I am the Messiah? No, I am not, but he is coming, and I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the sandals on his feet. Brothers, you sons of Abraham and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as the one the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him. And in doing this, they fulfilled the prophets' words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had done all that the prophets, all that the prophecies had said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and over a period of many days he appeared to those 
who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witness to the people of Israel. And now we are here to bring you this good news. The promise was made to our ancestors, and God has now fulfilled it for us. Their descendants by raising Jesus. This is what the second psalm says about Jesus. You are my son. Today I have become your father. For God has promised to raise him from the dead, not leaving him to rot in the grave. He said, I will give you the sacred blessings I promised to David. Another psalm explains it more fully. You will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. This is not a reference to David, for after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. No, it was a reference to someone else, someone whom God raised and whose body did not decay. Almost there, stick with me. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through the man Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is declared right with God, something the law of Moses could never do. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you. For they said, Look, you mockers, be amazed and die, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. As for Paul and Barnabas, as Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out loud, boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for this message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Then... Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. 
And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sticking with me through that. We're going to need some more coffee, aren't we? Ooh, did you hear that sound? That's good. That's good. All right. Well, we're going to dig in here to Acts chapter 13. I'm going to keep my Bible here in front of us um, so that uh, I've got quick reference, if that's okay. You know, it was uh, eight years ago um, that I was able to take a little bit of a sabbatical. It was a lot of bit of a sabbatical. It was two months, and uh, it was very refreshing and very awesome. And the plan was to do a great big hike. And I've shared that story with you several times, um, so I'm not going to bore you in those details too much. Um, but uh, the story of that hike is, is that it didn't go too well. I hiked a lot with a very heavy pack and uh, found myself hurting a lot. And so over the past eight years, I've done a little bit more hiking. In fact, uh, my daughter Abby is, has been very interested in hiking. Um, so we've been going around a little bit here um, since we've been quarantined, not quarantined, but uh, you know, we've got the restrictions on us of being with people. So uh, we try to go out into nature and get away from people. Uh, so that's, that's what we've been doing. Um, so uh, a few weeks back, Abby and I went to Han State Park and we um, started hiking the big Whispering Pines Trail. And the, I think the entire trail is like 12 miles, but uh, we started off and um, we started only doing um, we did about four miles um, on the North Loop, and we thought, man, this would be a good, great place to come back and hike. Um, so last week for Abby's birthday, we went back to Han, and uh, we were gung-ho on, on trying to hike the whole 12 miles. And uh, so we got about oh, six miles in, and, um, and most of the crew that we went with, it was Amanda and me and, and Clay and Abby, uh, most of the crew was ready to call it quits, and uh, so I, I said, okay, well, there's a, a, a shortcut up here we can cut through and, and get back to our car. Instead of going 12 miles, um, it's only a, uh, you know, total, we were about five miles in. I said, it's probably just a couple more miles back to the car if we go this way. So we ended up hiking back to the car, and we made it. And it was, it ended up being like an 8.3 mile hike, which was incredible. It was crazy because um, I, I remember uh, the kids being so small. Uh, one time we went to this, uh, the trail on the Smoky Mountains. Um, I believe it was the Abrams Falls Trail uh, in Cades Cove, uh, Smoky Mountain National Park. And Clay may have been one, may have been two. Um, so that would have put Abby in the four to five range, and it would have been it would have been eight years ago because we went uh, at the backside of my sabbatical, and we started hiking this trail, and it was two and a half miles there and two and a half miles out uh, to get to the falls, and by the time we were coming out of the falls, I had clay in a backpack on my back, and I was carrying Abby on my front. And it was just, um, that was a lot of hiking with a lot of kids on me. 
And it was pretty crazy to think about that here we are eight years later and both of my kids were able to walk the entire 8.3 miles. And it was a, it's an incredible journey. Um, you know, I, if, when I look back and think about the journey that I've had with my kids and how much they have grown, um, how much they have matured most of the time, um, to think about where they came from, where they came from. You know, eight, eight years ago, they couldn't walk more than, um, you know, Abby did pretty good. I think she, uh, she did the first two and a half miles uh, to getting to the falls when, let's see, eight years ago, man, yeah, she, Abby just turned 13, so she would have been five. She would have been five, and Clay would have been two. And um, so, yeah, that's a long time ago. That is a long time ago, seems like. But uh, those kids have grown up. And when we look here at Acts 13, we're going to see um, the beginning of a big journey. Um, a journey for one particular guy. Um, his name is uh, Saul and then Paul. Uh, same guy. If I say Saul, I mean Paul. If I say Paul, I mean Saul. Um, this is the start of a life-changing adventure for Paul. Uh, as he's, you know, him and Barnabas were um, co-pastoring there at Antioch, and it says that the, the church was meeting together. A few believers were meeting together there. They were fasting, um, which just means they're not eating. Um, they're skipping a meal or meals and praying during that time. And so they're fasting and they're praying, asking God what to do. And he says, I've chosen Paul and Barnabas to go on this mission for me. And so there's this guy named John Mark. And uh, it says, Paul and Barnabas and John Mark left. And so I just want to talk for just a brief minute um, about who these people are. And, uh, you know, I've already had you here for a little bit of time. Took a long time to read that and tell that story. So it's going to take me a long time to drink this pot of coffee. All right. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about who they are, this journey that they're getting ready to go on. And we're just going to talk a little bit about the first part of Acts chapter 13. So here we go. You know Paul. He was Saul. And... Uh, he was a he was persecuted Christians. You know, we've been studying this book of Acts now for 13 weeks. That, my friends, is an entire quarter. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a 25% uh, of this year we have been studying the book of Acts. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel pretty good. Why? Well, because I fell in love with church when I read the book of Acts, with the church when I read the book of Acts. Uh, it just talks about the beauty of the vessel that God has chosen to change the world. And uh, so Acts 13, 13 weeks in, now we're reading more about this guy named Saul who changes his name to Paul. And uh, you can check out the, the past um, sermons uh, messages to find out how uh, Paul got here, but uh, Paul was a, a persecutor of the church. He was on the other side. He was an enemy, 
and um, God changed his life. Jesus met him literally on a road and uh, blinded him and uh, told him that he needed him on his side. And uh, Paul accepted. <laughs> I'm sure we all would accept if we met Jesus that way. Um, but who was Barnabas? Well, we read Barnabas, about Barnabas early on in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4 um, talks about uh, Barnabas, um, and his name is means the encourager, uh, because it seems like Barnabas uh, maybe was a wealthy man at one time, or, or he had, um, Acts 4 said that he had some land that he owned, and he actually sold the land and gave the entire amount uh, so that the church could could grow so that it could spread. He brought that amount and laid it at the disciples' feet. So uh, that's when we first hear about Barnabas, uh, that he is um, he's a very uh, giving, giving man. Um, and so uh, we read about him there. We also know, uh, we talked about it last week, that, that Barnabas um, went to Antioch and he, he realized that um, he couldn't communicate as well as he wanted to with the folks there at Antioch. And there was a guy named Saul who had the background to, to, to do that. So he went and found Saul and brought him back so that he could help co-pastor there in the church in Antioch. So that's uh, Paul, Saul, and Barnabas. And then this third guy, John Mark, who is he? Well, uh, we think he's the guy who wrote the book of Mark. Uh, yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, in your Bible, uh, the first, uh, the second book, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, we think Mark is the guy who wrote that book. And what's so special about Mark is that we think, by we, I mean scholars, <laughs> not, so not me then, okay, so the scholars think that, that Mark, John Mark, uh, was a disciple of Peter, um, so, you know that from the, the story we read about uh, last week about Peter escaping prison, uh, that he went to uh, John Mark's mother's house, all right? So, um, we think that, that, that John Mark was a disciple of Peter, and so, uh, you know, as Peter would tell him the Jesus stories, uh, Mark would write them down. And we think that, that Mark was maybe the first gospel that was written because um, some of the other gospels, all the other gospels actually, uh, pull some pieces from Mark and put them in their gospel. Uh, so uh, Mark is a very brief, um, very short uh, gospel uh, account of Jesus, uh, but it has all the important pieces in it. Um, and so when we think about uh, Paul and Barnabas, why would they want to take John Mark with them um, especially, I mean, if this guy had written down the Jesus stories, um, you know, there wasn't like mass printing back then. Uh, there weren't Bibles. Uh, there wasn't uh, the internet to say, hey, look at Jesus's quotes. Uh, no, there was just John Mark and his understanding of what Jesus said when he walked the earth. Um, so let's just say uh, Paul and Barnabas are somewhere and teaching about Jesus and somebody from the audience would say, well, what did Jesus say about that? Then Mark could pull up from his memory stories that either he witnessed himself or that Peter had communicated to him and that he would later or 
maybe he did earlier, write it down. Haven't lost it yet. Notice that? All right, good, me too. So anyway, we've got uh, Paul, Saul, Barnabas, and now John Mark is on the journey. He's on the trip with them. So uh, the leaders of the church lay hands on them. They send them off. They jump on a ship. So you know who's in the party, why they're going. Uh, we mentioned this, that the Holy Spirit sent them. They were sent by the Holy Spirit. All right. And so these guys who leave, these guys who leave, um, are not going to be the same when they come back. This is a life-changing adventure for them. It's life-changing. And so, um, where are you on your journey today with God? Think about that for a minute as I drink my coffee. Where are you on your journey? Um, maybe you feel like in this season you've gotten to spend some extra time with God and, and you are um, definitely sensing his presence in your spirit. Uh, maybe at one time in your life you were you were close to God, but just seems like lately you've just been distant, or he's been distant. You feel like he's been distant. Or maybe you feel like you've been on a journey for God. Maybe you feel like you've been called to do something and you've been doing it, um, but you kind of feel like you're still in the middle of that journey. Or maybe you are at the backside of a journey. Uh, maybe God is telling you it's time to rest and time to come home, if you will, for a season. Uh, so there are a lot of different parts of journeys. There's the beginning. There's the beginning is always crazy. You never know what's going to happen. And then there's the middle. There's always something in the middle that is unpredictable. And then there's the end. There's the time where you look back and you think, could have done things different. Or you look back and you think, man, that was, that was really cool. That was awesome. Or maybe you look back and you think, why did it happen that way? Whatever it is, on this particular journey, beginning here in Acts 13, there's a pattern that is established. Paul and Barnabas... And John Mark, they go into a city. They find the synagogue, the Jewish religious place, because there's a commonality there. The Old Testament, they all believe in the same God. And Paul begins to explain the scriptures of Jesus. And some accept And some reject. And some just don't 
they don't even um, have a response. But either you're, it seems like most people are either really for it or really against it. And that's the gospel. And it's true today. Uh, most people are usually really for it or really against it. So this particular journey, uh, I just want to kind of throw a couple things out at you. As Paul and Barnabas and John Mark get off the ship and they walk the island of Paphos, all right, who um, we think, okay, they, they walked, they walked there. Uh, you know, I just, we just got, my family, we just got done doing an 8.4 mile hike. Well, what do you do? Because this, this island that Paul and Barnabas and John Mark walked was 160 miles. 160 miles. That, that's a long journey. And my friends, this is only the beginning. You know, I don't know what your journey looks like. Maybe you feel like you've been on a treadmill for the last 10 years <laughs> and not making any progress. But it could be that you're still at the beginning of your journey. And so let me just encourage you that Paul and Barnabas and John Mark were 160 miles in and there were still there were still a ton of people that God wanted Paul and, and Barnabas to preach the word to. Now, uh, we read a little bit about John Mark um, returning to Jerusalem here today also. We'll, we'll dig into that another time. But for today, I just want you to think about this. What will these guys profit from this journey? You know, I told you uh, last week or the week before, it's all blending together now for me, that our family's been watching this uh, uh, Curse of Oak Island uh, show where it's just a big treasure hunt, you know. Um, you know, what will they profit if they find treasure? A lot. <laughs> you know, they'll at least make money off the TV show. You know, what will you profit if you go to Hawaii? Yeah, you probably won't. You'll lose a lot of money. <laughs> but you'll find relaxation. Hopefully, you'll find a beautiful place on this planet, and you'll be able to maybe rest and relax a little bit. But when we think about these guys leaving on this journey, pretty much the rest of this book, this book of Acts, is about Paul's journey. And we think about him, we think about his life, and I just wonder, what does he get out of it? And that, my friends, is the most heroic calling that there is. Walking into a situation because God told you to giving up your entire life because God told you to and doing it without any thought for what's in it for you.
what's in it for everybody else. That is a deep thought. Now, as you think about that, we're going to wrap up here. We've been here for a long time drinking coffee now. But I want you to think about your life. And if there wasn't any more profit in it for you, would you be willing to live it for God to do a mighty work in someone else? Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Acts 13 because it, um, I'm sure I didn't communicate it as well as I feel it when I read it. Acts 13 is so full of hope and potential challenges, new beginnings, difficult feats. And these are all pieces of the Christian life. These are all adventures that we all go on or have the opportunity to partake in. God, I just pray that you would challenge us with the words from Acts 13 this week. That they would resonate in our souls. That the Holy Spirit calls. That the church prays and the church fasts for you. For your presence. For your direction. For your guidance. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, there is an action taken by the church. Lord, may we seek you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, guys. I don't know. I may have only done two cups. Either way, uh, maybe I'll finish it next week. We'll see ya.